and welcome. I am Brett Witterbull. This is Devious Motives, Season 3, Episode 3. And it's absolutely incredible to see what it is that's happening out there in this crazy, wacky, mixed-up world. What does the wide-open border, the collapse of Afghanistan, North Korean missile tests, and a threat from Vladimir Putin have in common? Simple. We run the risk right now, more than ever before, of getting involved in an atomic exchange. That's right. Uh, not not a, a, an exchange of ideas, not an exchange of uh, weaponry, but actual atomic warfare. Nuclear weapons are on the table. Did you ever think it would get this bad this quick? I never thought it would get this bad this quick. I'm really, really shocked, I have to be honest with you. But it is incredible. What happens is this. And I've sort of said this in the last couple of episodes where we talked about the objectives of uh, uh, Roy Cooper and the climate change uh, uh, planet uh, plan. Uh, We talked extensively uh, in episode number two uh, about uh, who it is that's leading, that's running uh, the various parties. But now the question becomes, who's leading the world? Who's leading the world? And just to go back to Roy Cooper, who I know is like, you know, he loves climate change as a topic. He loves command and control and all that sort of stuff in North Carolina. Uh, Here's the quick memo for all the progressives out there, the liberals, the progressives, the Al Gores. If we get into a nuclear exchange with the Russians, your problem is no longer going to be fossil fuels. It's going to be uh, the end of, of the world. And I understand that once upon a time, there was a huge ethos uh, as it applied to the idea of uh, uh, saving the planet. But nuclear war is the thing that could really wreck it all. And let's be clear about one thing. It's not the United States looking for the nuclear conflict. As much as the left has has vilified the United States of America and our power over the, uh, over the decades, more than a century, really, um, the bottom line is America is not the problem in this world. It's third world hellholes and dictators that are the problems everyone from the taliban to kim jong-un and right now uh you've got xi jinping and vladimir putin as being exhibit a b and c oh i, I, I will get into bobolinsky we'll, we'll get into the the other stuff that's going on out there but we have got to talk about this this is hugely important in fact newt gingrich put up a uh, an op-ed piece called Putin's nuclear war is a real threat. We must find a path of deterrence that works for Russia and all nuclear powers. And this is a piece that ran in the Washington Times on Tuesday, October the 4th. So it's a very, very contemporary piece. It's uh, it's it's basically been published uh, in the last uh, couple of days. He, he notes in this piece, and I think it's interesting The impact of nuclear annihilation and the agony of survivors, which was something captured in John Hersey's 1946 book Hiroshima, a nonfiction account of six survivors of the American bombing of that city, has never left me. It was a significant factor in my decision in August of 1958 to spend my life trying to ensure American safety and freedom. But we're in graver danger today of enduring a nuclear war than at any point in my lifetime. This is Newt Gingrich writing this. Once upon a time, the third most powerful person in the American government. And he is not a guy, because I've worked with him on a couple of projects. This is, this is not a guy that is given to, uh, to hyperbole. If he's saying he is genuinely concerned and the most concerned he's been through his lifetime, that is saying something. Now, 
we are at war, whether we like it or not, with Vladimir Putin. Uh, we were kind of pushed into it by our European allies. We were kind of pushed into it by the intelligence community. We were pushed in. I mean, maybe Vindman had something to do with it. I, I don't know. But we have now found ourselves essentially in a shooting war between us and Vladimir Putin. If you, if you wanted to take an analogy, really the analogy is the United States right now is sort of playing the part of China during the Korean conflict. Right. We were backstopping the Ukrainians. We're sending them weapons and we could debate that all day, every day. But but uh, Putin knows not to jump too ugly with the Ukrainians, at least up until this moment in time, because he understands that we will respond with overwhelming force. This is this is not a, a mystery to anybody. Uh, the generals, I, I think if Vladimir Putin deploys atomic weapons, uh, who was it? it was Petraeus a couple of days ago who said, um, and remember, he, he's, he's a smart guy. He's a smart guy, ran the CIA. Petraeus said a couple of days ago, yeah, you know what we're going to do? We're going to sink his whole fleet. I think it was the Black Sea fleet. But we're going to say we're going to sink Putin's fleet. We'll take every available naval vessel that he's got, and we will put him on the bottom of the ocean to send him the message that that's going to stop. Unfortunately, uh, General Petraeus, what we need to do if you want to have deterrence is actual deterrence. Um, many people can recall Richard Milhouse Nixon and the madman doctrine and all that kind of stuff. Vladimir Putin is only going to understand one thing, and that is brutal force. But Newt is talking about this, and, and he's essentially saying the Biden administration has failed to set the stage for nuclear deterrence. It's abundantly clear Iran is still trying to proliferate. North Korea has been shooting missiles over Japan, a country that we have vowed to defend no matter what, um, you have seen a catastrophic surrender in Afghanistan. Uh, you have completely misread the Russian-Ukrainian conflict. Remember, uh, General uh, Milli Vanilli, uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, said publicly the Russians would be in Kiev in three days. It's proof of how wrong American intelligence was. The United States offered to fly Zelensky to safety if he agreed that the fight was hopeless. History was changed by his courage and at what Newt calls an almost Churchillian manner. But there's no clear Biden doctrine for how to respond to the Russian use of a nuclear weapon in Ukraine, notes Newt. That ambiguity or confusion, whichever it is, increases the likelihood that Putin will think it's a reasonable gamble. That is what is scary. Now, can, can you imagine? Can you imagine as Newt raises this question? Having to accept a terrifying precedent that nuclear armed powers can use nuclear weapons on their neighbors so long as they threaten to escalate the conflict and endanger American and European cities. You've got North Korea, China, India, Pakistan, Israel, Great Britain and France. They have nuclear weapons. Both Iran and Japan could acquire them very quickly. We risk seeing something absolutely horrific here. And the question becomes, how do we deter Vlad Putin from taking that gambit, making that uh, attempt? What what do we do? We send Tony Blinken over. We send uh, we send James Taylor to sing. You got a friend or fire and rain. Well, we better not go have him play fire and rain. But you get what I'm saying here. So this is a huge issue. And why I raised all those other things, the Afghanistan, the North Korea, the American border, it looks like America will tolerate some 
X amount of misery with our body politic. You see, we should have come out of the COVID pandemic thinking that uh, we don't want to make the American people angry. We pushed them pretty much to their breaking point. If you're in the government, like you pushed them pretty much into the breaking point. If you had gone full Gretchen Whitmer or, or full Gavin Newsom, you would have had a genuine catastrophe on your hands. But apparently, we have traded the command and control approach of El Faucho, uh, Tony Fauci, and, and the CDC and, and all that whole crew of folks, the mandated shots and going to war basically with law enforcement and public uh, responders and the military and all that sort of stuff. We have now traded that in for a malign neglect, not a benign neglect, a malign neglect you have a malign motivation you want to talk about a devious motive the administration of joseph robinette biden and vice president kamala harris along with speaker of the house nancy pelosi and chuck schumer all have a role to play here the congress and the senate oversight funding all those sorts of things and yes if they don't get compliance then impeachment which is never going to happen and is a waste of time but but you are sending a message to the rest of the world that the American people will put up with 4 million, 6 million, 10 million people coming across the border with no place to put them. We will put up with uh, uh, nuclear threats and saber rattling. Why do we have a United Nations? I, I know I remember Ms. Fleming just a couple of days ago telling us that they own the science. They own the science, and the science that they own is about climate change. Again, the climate will not matter if we end up in a nuclear conflagration. So I can only conclude as a result of all of this, and this is shocking to say, that these challenges facing the United States is now operating under the uncle method. No, not your uncle. Not your uncle. The idea of pushing the American people until they say uncle. How much will America stand before to quote Popeye? We've had all we can stands and we can't stands no more. I'm Brett Whittable. This is Devious Motives. And welcome back. It is Brett Witterbull and uh, the Devious Motives. It, it's incredible to see the uh, weird partisanship that's now emerging. And look, I understand there's a ton of different angles we can talk about. I will mention a little bit about the Bobolinsky thing uh, just in these last 24 hours that Tucker Carlson put together. But let, let's go back to something for a quick second here, okay? Um, you have the House and the Senate up for consideration in terms of control. You have a certain number of governorships that are that are out there as well. And these are hugely important matters and, and these are hugely important elections that are going to determine the future and the you know direction of your state, of your Congress, of your Senate. I saw something so bizarre that I was actually left with an inability to understand what it was I just saw. And that is a visit by James Carville uh, in the last 24 hours. It was over on it, it was on MSNBC for sure. I'm trying to remember which program it was. I can't quite recall it. But James Carville goes off on an attack on DeSantis that is strange. Um, 
he he does a fat joke. He talks about how Florida is like Hurricane Katrina. He makes fun of DeSantis's name. He encourages people to go send buses to take illegal aliens to rebuild Florida. This is the sign of a genuine crack up. And and rather than give you a um, just just like a, a snippet, I'm going to let you hear his entire rant, his entire riff. And it's really bizarre. It's genuinely bizarre. James Carville was a smart guy once upon a time, but it shows you how bad off the fortunes are of the professional political class when a, um, a, a governor of the state of Florida is able to completely take over in the mindset of Jim Carville the space that ought to be reserved to trying to build a bigger majority in the Senate and save those seats in the House, Carville may have finally been broken. Listen to this. Well, listen to me, Ron DeCatrina. Push the fried chicken and the mashed potatoes and the gravy back. The first thing is you can suspend your toilet patrols or who's using which bathroom because none of the toilets are working in southwest Florida. They're all backed up. The second thing you need to do is forget about Martha's Vineyard, hire a bunch of buses, go go to El Paso, to Matamoros, to Laredo, to Nogales, to, to Mexicali, and put a sign up and says, we need workers. No questions asked. High wages. All right? Stop all the stunts you're doing. You're going to need immigrants in a lot of them. You're going to need drywall people. You're going to need bricklayers. You're going to need carpenters. You're going to need every roofers. And there are not enough roofers in Florida to deal with this. And the third thing you need to do is change the curriculum in the textbook and tell young people what the effect of 87-degree water in the western Gulf of Mexico has on the state of Florida. I can tell you what it is. It's profound. This guy has no idea of what he's doing. Forget the toilets, forget the immigration stunts, and forget not teaching math to kids. Tell them what the hell is going on in their lives. Why is James Carville saying this? Seriously, why, why, is, he, why is he saying this? What, why is he not vowing support for the people of Florida? Why is he not saying uh, that, that we need to uh, uh, convene uh, a committee to put that like he's not offering up any anything approaching a constructive solution he's just gone completely tilt on Ron DeSantis and what's going on in Florida now you know what's so interesting about this I heard somebody and I, I for the life of me I can't recall who it was in the last few weeks they said when Ron DeSantis sent the migrants to Martha's Vineyard it single-handedly reset the entire narrative of the national campaign that was underway. Because you notice what James Carville does not mention, abortion. And we know abortion has been a huge issue uh, in in this race since the Dobbs decision came down, even really since the Dobbs decision leaked. James Carville is is reduced to name-calling and mockery and all this kind of stuff. And look, I, I love mockery. I love parody. I love all that kind of stuff. But he seems to think that he's still on the Don Imus program from 25 years ago. That's not the case. Ron DeSantis, look, 
Ron DeSantis may rub you the wrong way. Ron DeSantis may not be your choice to be a governor. Ron DeSantis may not. But there's no doubting the fact that this guy is pretty focused on what's going on with this hurricane. He's not in a bunch of other states campaigning for for other people. He's pretty focused on this task at hand. And and to and to utilize the Katrina reference like that's not even close to the Katrina reference. Katrina occurred in the catastrophic way it did, James, in your home state of Louisiana. And it happened because of corruption run by one political party. And as for immigrants and migrants, can you give me a more diverse state than the state of Florida? I, I, I think it even surpasses, not by number, but by spread of people, California and New York. This is, this is dismaying to me. This is dismaying to me in a lot of ways because you would think that a serious, and I mean a serious politician, which is, which is honestly, I mean, that's, that's, that's what Carville is. He's a, he's a serious guy who runs campaigns and, and got a president elected and reelected and has had huge impacts during the, the political fights in this country, uh, both in this century and the prior one. But my gosh, talk about being out of touch. James doesn't even want to talk about how inflation and supply chains are going to harm the rebuilding efforts. Uh, None of that. Not at any point does he even utter the phrase, my heart's go out. My heart goes out to the people suffering in the state of Florida. He just decides to go insult comet. It's just insult comic. Here we go. I'm going to just insult uh, one guy. Uh, James, your time is up. Sorry to have to break that to you. In the briefing, just uh, held on uh, Tuesday, uh, Peter Ducey asking the big question about gas prices. Of course, Corrine Jean-Pierre, she bobbed, she weaved. You kind of knew what was coming next. She didn't want to take responsibility on the Putin price hike. What? Are you kidding? You said the president was responsible for gas prices coming down. Is the president responsible for gas prices going up? So it's a lot more nuance than that, right? Um, Peter, you know this. Uh, there have been global challenges that we have all have dealt with. When I say all, meaning other countries as well have dealt with since the pandemic. There's been pandemic and there's been uh, Putin's war. And Putin's war uh, has uh, increased gas prices at the pump. We have seen that over the past several months. And what the president was able to do, uh, he took some historic steps when you think about the strategic petroleum reserve and making sure that he we were able to do everything that we can to bring that cost down uh, for american families give them a little bit more of a breathing room and we saw that we saw that every day this summer uh, over a uh, saving american families over a dollar per gallon and so that is what the president's going to continue to to stay focused on our cons- american consumers how do we continue uh, to keep uh, to keep prices down that's why we we did the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. That's why we talk about the CHIPS Act. All of these things are going to help Americans here. What if I told you that uh, it's not the Putin price hike when it comes to the cost of oil and gasoline? What if I, what if I told you that and I, and I vowed to you that I am not being a naked partisan? Because the last thing I ever want to be is a naked partisan. I'm going to let you hear something. This is from Larry Kudlow 
Yes, he was in the Trump administration, but he's a guy who's got a very, 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 very long track record of, of being on Wall Street. And he's a guy who is, is not a silly, silly little partisan man. He breaks down exactly why the gas prices are as high as they are. And it's because, ladies and gentlemen, when, when you hear this, I think you're going to be shocked at the bad position this country is in right now. And it's attributable to one particular person. Check it out. Once again, on OPEC, and by the way, it's OPEC plus, so it's the Saudis plus the Russians, who are now going to cut back production, at least that's what everybody expects in their meeting tomorrow. Oil prices has already gone up about 10 bucks in the last couple of days. Um, if they cut back on 2 million barrels a day, which is what's being discussed by insiders, that will um, that'll raise the price of oil by probably 15 or $20, and that'll jack up uh, gasoline prices across the country, not just on the West Coast where they're already too high. I mean, it's really an incredible miscalculation for us to be put back into the Stone Age where we depend again on the Middle East OPEC countries and Russia. Okay, so let's be abundantly clear here. When Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine, we could have easily had the president say, all right, that's it. We're going to turn the spigots back on. We're going to hurt Vladimir Putin because we're going to drive the price of oil down. We're going to be so aggressive with pumping, we're going to make his chief export worth less. But we didn't, we didn't do that because the, the climate caucus and those folks, they get together, they sit there and they say, um, what? of course, we, we have to turn all the options off here. It was Remember, it was the first or second priority of the opening of the border, the killing of the Keystone XL pipeline, and then the pressure to try to get people to buy electric vehicles were, were like super huge promises. And it was the reason why he got, President Biden got, the endorsement of Bernie Sanders and AOC and the squad. I mean, it's really, it's like totally that simple. But quantifying like how much how far down are we you know you go home and you try to tell your loved ones that you lost all the money at the track or you lost all the money betting uh, at a sporting event and you, your loved ones say to you well, exactly how much did we lose biden has turned off this well, we are producing almost three million barrels a day less than we were pre-covid pre-pandemic three million barrels a day less that is a bad story. It's a hugely bad story because it says something about our inability to walk and chew gum and not get caught up in the drama of a really bad neighborhood. OPEC, the Russians, that is a very, very bad neighborhood. I don't care if you're a Republican, a Democrat, a liberal, a conservative, an anarchist, you love Karl Marx. I, I, I don't care about any of that. I care that you are able to buy gasoline and put food on your table. Sincerely, that's my core value. That's my number one core value. You being an American, living in this country, and having the ability to feed your kids, clothe your kids, keep a roof over your house, pay money to, to get gasoline and to go to work. That's all that matters. It's really, it's all that matters. We are in such a precarious and dangerous place right now. Such a precarious and dangerous place. And that's why it is my personal calling to reach out to you and encourage you to consider 
spreading the word about uh, devious motives 2022 to the 2022 election if you're keeping score at home we got to look at the hurricane damage we got to look at the dangers of nuclear proliferation and the threats of saber rattling coming from vladimir putin and then we've got arguably the single number one most important issue of any issue in this upcoming election Really, in, in many ways, even more so than nuclear proliferation, it is the ability for you to access affordable energy. And again, you want to be a liberal, you want to be a conservative, you, I don't care. I want you to be able to provide for your family because nobody wins when your family loses. That's going to do it for me. I am Brett Witterbull. Reach out to me if you'd like to send an email, brett at brettwinterbull.com. That's brett with two T's, Winterbull, W-I-N-T-E-R-B-L-E. You can email me anytime. Check me out on the Facebook page and on Twitter. It is Devious Motives, Season 3.